Welcome to the build-up on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks. Please bet responsibly. Visit dunlui.net for further information. Welcome along to the build-up, our weekly look ahead to the biggest week the events of the sporting weekend here on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks. And th- today we're looking ahead to the third, fourth place playoff in the prestigious Autumn Nations Cup between Ireland and Scotland with our, rug- our voice and rugby and Labrooks ambassador Stephen Ferris. How are you getting on, Stevie? Oh, not too bad, thanks, Mick. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it feels strange, like a third, fourth place playoff. Um, it reminds me of like going back to under-21s, playing in like a, an under-21 Rugby World Cup or an under-19 World Cup. It, it's a match that probably doesn't mean that much. Um, and, you know, hopefully both teams just go out there and, and throw the ball around and give us some entertaining rugby because... You know, let's be honest about it, Mick. The international rugby over the last four weeks ha- has not been good. You know, has not been a great spectacle. And you know, ticket prices at over a hundred euro or a hundred quid a ticket. You know, there wouldn't be many people banging down the door to go and watch a match if uh, if this pandemic wasn't here with with the style of rugby that's being played. So, fingers crossed. A bit more optimistic this week that we'll see a bit more running rugby and a bit more quality too. Mm. Yeah, if you want to get your questions in for Stevie, just uh, please leave us a comment wherever you're watching it and we'll get to them over the course of the show. But, like, poor rugby is probably, unfortunately, the place to start. You know, before we look ahead to what we're expecting this weekend, we do have to reflect on an Ireland performance at Georgia against Georgia that was just, like, it looked okay in the first half. Things weren't perfect, but they were motoring along. And you're thinking at half time. I think you guys said in the RT studio, you know, that it's like we were on 20 points. You'd want to be getting 50 here. And we added three points, and it's just not good enough, really, is it? No, it's not good enough at that level. I think I mentioned it at halftime or, or pre-match that I remember going down to my first ever international match at the old Lansdowne Road and watching Malcolm O'Kelly uh, play for, for Ireland, and they won 70 points to nil and completely dominated the, the Georgians. Now, I know Georgian rugby has come on a little bit, but you know the Ireland team that was out there, they should have really dominated and put at least thirty or forty points on on, on that squad, and um, they didn't do that. They were rattled, and that's one thing. Watched, I've watched the game back. They got rattled. They made mistakes. They uh, they compounded mistakes with more mistakes or turnovers or ill discipline. Um, and you know the Georgians really stuck it up to them physically. You know Kev Saladze was was brilliant, not only in attack when he had ball in hand. But that pick and go from CJ Stander, I think it was off the scrum last couple of last minute or two of the game, and he absolutely knocked him in the next week. And the impact I was right in that corner of the Aviva Stadium, it, it just kind of summed it up for me that you know the physicality, the aggression, um, the accuracy that the Georgians showed as well in their defence. It, 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 Ireland couldn't deal with it, and even Andy Farrell said afterwards that you know they, they did get beaten up by um, by Georgia. Uh, when it came to uh, around the breakdown and around the physicality stakes. So, again, Mick, what do you say? Like, at the minute, it's it's worrying. Like, you know, it, it is worrying when, you know, a Georgian team is coming to the Aviva and sort of had parity for, what, 50 minutes of the match? You know, um, that that's the worrying thing. And I know we're missing a handful of players and, you know, a couple out injured and, um, and everything else, but you got to make do with... Um, the squad and the players that you have and Andy Farrell's mixing it about a bit but it's just not clicking at the minute and you know they need to click fast or else Scotland will will spring a surprise uh, this weekend when they come to the Aviva 
it's a it's a question talking about being rattled by Georgia. It's not a good thing, but I just wonder where is the patience gone with this team, or where is the the ability to kind of go through your work in the week and 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 trust that the systems will look after themselves? Because I feel like this has gone back to the twenty nineteen Six Nations and that first game uh, against England, and ever since then Ireland just seemed to have been in free fall in a way um but we've had a few false dawns you know what i mean when we beat scotland in the in the world cup last year we're thinking oh maybe you know maybe this is you know this is the real team and you can forget about the warm-ups and then the japan game happens the week after and then we all know what happened against new zealand but you know likewise in this six nations we think oh look that italy performance you know in in at the start of you know after lockdown and you're thinking mm, this is a team it's offloading they're trying things everything everything's working out and then they go over to france and really don't perform and you're thinking every time something goes wrong we seem to collapse and that's not what i know we're talking about a lot of new players we're talking about a different team but it's still not what this team was built on going up to 2018 whether it was all hype about best team in the world or not we were certainly performing a lot better yeah, we're performing a lot better, but you know, Joe Smith had a game plan um, tailored to each team that he played. Small incremental changes week in, week out, um, but the players, you know, bought into it, and it just doesn't feel like the players have bought into what Andy Farrell is wanting at the minute, or they are struggling to switch over from that pragmatic, you know. Almost the way Saracens play, you know, Ireland were a bit like that um, a couple of years ago when they were at their peak. You know, they, they box kicked so much, contested in the air, tried to get a turnover around the halfway line, scored so many tries off set piece. And at the minute, yeah, it's it's just not happening for us. And, and I feel sorry for the likes of Ross Byrne. You know, he plays extremely well for Leinster week in, week out when Johnny Sexton's not there. And then when, when he gets an opportunity, uh, in the international stage against England, um, it sort of underperforms and doesn't look like he's an international player, even though we all know that he has the, the capabilities and credentials to, to be there. But it's just not happening for us at the minute. And I keep going back, uh, you know, even before the 2007 Rugby World Cup, you know, I think, you know, Drico and the lads would have said we were really big, you know, we were lifting weights in the gym. We were, you know, we didn't have enough ball skills uh, we probably weren't fit enough um, to, to deal with the international game. It feels like we sort of need to get back there a little bit. You know, everybody yeah. talks about, oh, yeah, we need to attack space. There is no space when you play against England. You know, you're going to have to run through brick walls and you're going to have to front up physically and you're going to have to, um, you know, it, it just feels that we're slightly off the pace when it comes to physicality stakes. We don't have anybody getting over, getting us over the gain line. And when that's not happening against Georgia, as yeah. I previously said, Mick, that's when I like. I'm sure a lot of Irish fans sitting watching at the weekend were, were slightly worried as well. So, yeah, I think that we we really need to up it. And you know, there's been a lot of chat in in the media about um about the head honcho of the RFU, David Nusifora, the direction in which he's going to be bringing the international side and the players being put into the international side. He has so much control over that. Well, I think you got to look at the S&C. You've got to look at um, you know, getting the players physically big and strong enough to compete at international rugby because that's the way the game, that, that's where the game is. It's not where it's going. That's where it is. Like, yeah. if you look at England, what they're doing at the minute. You look at South Africa over the last couple of years. You look at Argentina, the physicality they brought against uh, against the All Blacks and against uh, Australia. It, that's where the game is at the minute. And 
Here in Ireland, Mick, we all know it, we're not genetically blessed like a lot of the South Sea Islanders and everything else. And, and we need to work really, really hard at that. Um, and uh, I, I think the players are working hard at that, but it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting subject at the minute. You know, how do we get there? And I don't have an answer for it at the minute. And that's what Andy Farrell, Nusifora, everybody involved in Irish rugby, we, we got to get back to those heights because, you know, you were part of it, I was part of it. And so were all the Irish fans leading into that World Cup. The, the optimism that was flowing around the country was, was just superb. So hopefully we're not too far away, but... It feels it at the moment. The current group of players just aren't physically big, strong enough to, to win international matches against the top three or four sides. Mm, yeah, it's funny you flagged the physicality thing last week. And one of the, you know, if you think about it, one of the, the hallmarks since the professional era has come in is that that is where the big teams will always dominate the smaller teams just because they're working full time in S&C and everything else like that. And it just wasn't the case at all. You know, by, by the end of the game, it was Georgia that was on top. They didn't tire and Ireland, Ireland just didn't you know, even playing the second half. There's a comment here from Paul Tierney saying, watching the game back, we kicked far too often when the ball in hand across the line was on, more often than not ignored it. Don't know who's that down to management or players lacking attacking killer intent, pass, pass, pass. So like the intent and predictability is something that I would say is standing out for Ireland is like, you know, maybe it is physicality. Maybe it's that we're trying to do things that isn't physical enough and not getting to the game line. But because of that, we're just going nowhere really. And then, passing out when there isn't numbers there or there isn't overlaps and we're just going across the pitch for the sake of it really kind of knowing full well we're not going to really get anywhere here and as that I thought that was especially evident in the second half and if a team like Georgia we, we talked about England at Lent last week and how they just hoovered us up and they were more than happy wait for their opportunity to go and pounce at the ball and get the turnover but when a team like Georgia is able to to catalogue exactly what you're going to do you're kind of in trouble really. Yeah and like Ireland had what seventy percent possession, eighty percent territory, and we'd created absolutely nothing. Um, it was such a stop-start game, and you know Paul's right. The, the amount of kicking, especially in the first half, when you you think you know here we go, we're four or five phases in here, we're going to make a half-line break, get in behind them, boom, kick the ball away. And I think Stuart McCluskey was he, he put a lovely kick in, which you know cornered uh, Georgia at one stage. But apart from that. It wasn't like a kick to regather, you know, a chip kick to regather. It was just kind of put the ball in behind them, a bit like England are trying to do at the minute, turning the teams around, trying to see the numbers on the opposition shirts. Um, and that's okay. Like that's okay if you're playing England. That's okay if you're playing South Africa. But you're playing Georgia here, you know. And no disrespect to Georgia, they are in the world rankings because um, you know of the quality that they have. Speaking to David Humphreys before the game, like he was telling me that you know these players that are playing. Week in, week out in Georgia are earning like three, four hundred euro a month. Like, you know, these boys in Ireland are earning three hundred, four hundred grand a year. Like, you know, that's the that's the difference in quality. And um, you know, an eighteen year old who who won a fantastic turnover um on his own line for Georgia, like this kid is literally just out of school, has a bit of talent, thrown into the mixer against Ireland, who's a top five team in the world, and uh, he didn't look out of place. Like, no. you know, and there was just I'm not sure if it's me, like, or, or I don't know what you think, Mick, but the expectation I had getting into this game was that Ireland was going to win by 50. And, like, we yeah. were going to burst through them. We were going to get offloads away, get in behind them, be ruthless when we had opportunities. And it felt, it, it. I was there, like, obviously, it felt like we were so far off the pace. 
Um, and again, I think Andy Farrell would probably agree that, that they were off the pace, especially in that second half. And um, yeah, it's a, it's it's a hard one to go over because we we know what we've got with Ireland um, skill set that some of the lads have. Granted, you know we're missing players. Of course, we are. We're missing Tag Furlong. We're missing that. Well, Ian Henderson fully fit at the weekend. You know, a Jack Conan at number eight who offers more physicality. You know, at top of the the range, Connor Murray who's zipping the ball around. Johnny Sexton coming back in. Um, you know, Ring Rose. Larmer, you know, there, there, there are six or seven guys that can come in and take us to another level. Um, but, yeah, we don't have those guys at the minute, do we? No, I don't. And I don't know whether this comes back to your physicality point, but the one thing I really kind of am, am noticing, uh, you know, and maybe, it is, again, it's physicality, is that like we don't really have the ball carriers at the moment as well to kind of go and set up that, that, that you know, clean, quick possession. Tyke Byrne, I thought, in the first half, did show us a little bit of it. He wasn't there for very much longer after that, but really nobody else. Stander doesn't have his best day, and when he doesn't, who else is there? Whereas if you go back to, say, your Grand Slam win team, you, David Wallace, Paul O'Connell, Keen Healy a lot more back then, Jerry Flannery, you're all taking on the ball. You're all making yards. There was It was a ball-carrying pack, and Ireland just don't seem to have that at the moment. I don't know whether that, again, goes to your physicality point or whether it's something else in the style and whether it's something that we should look more to, again, if we're going into a more forwards-orientated game, as you mentioned earlier, in World Rugby. Yeah, Mick, it's, it's easy to talk about physicality and just throw it out there. Oh, we need to be more physical. Well, what what does that mean? Like, you know, is it to be more niggly around the breakdown? Is it when you get the ball, you actually make a positive impact? Is it to make two or three game-changing moments throughout the the game is it to smash somebody in defence and set the tone for the match? Um, you know, it, it's not just going out and running over the top of somebody. Uh, and I think that there is there is more to it. And Ireland need to find that little bit more. Um, we've seen CJ Standard run over guys in the past. We've seen James Ryan, but teams are targeting targeting these guys now. We need a different point of contact. We need to take the pressure off CJ Stander. You know, we played the, the, the biggest back row, CJ Stander, Keelan Doris, and Peter O'Mahony um, against England. Like, flipping heck, it, was, it felt like it was men against boys. Like, at times, you know, when it came to uh, the ball crying, I think Doris had minus metres when it came mm. to this. And, like, fair play to the kid. Like, he stuck his hand up every single time, give me the ball, I'll keep taking it in, keep taking it in. And he tried his absolute socks off. But you know he's he's better suited at running running at soft shoulders, um, a little bit wider in, in wider channels, and geez, it's uh, just getting smashed back. But again, credit to England on, on, on that front. They're they're targeting Ireland's ball carriers. I think even James Ryan over the last couple of weeks, the captaincy, we haven't seen enough ball carrying for, from him. He seems to have dropped a, a little bit. Maybe it, it is that added pressure of being captain of his country Johnny Sexton looks like he's going to come back in this weekend by all accounts but yeah they really need to up it and um, you know small conversations between each other over the course of the next four or five days that you know what they've produced over the last two weeks isn't good enough and they're going to have to really ramp it up so what do Ireland need to produce this weekend what do we need to see it's not very long and like third fourth place playoff doesn't really matter in a probably a one-off competition like this Auto Nations Cup. But at the same time, we're playing Scotland in a test match and we're on the back of really negative two weeks. And it's not that long until they meet up again and, you know, at Christmas or whatever and start looking ahead to the Six Nations. This is actually quite an important game regardless of the result or the competition. 
what do we need to see from Ireland to show that progress is there to be to be made? You know, I think we need to see a higher work rate. We need to see a want. There was times in the the Welsh game that you know there was a feeling that Ireland were starting to raise it a wee bit, and then they just dropped off again. Um, they need to be very clinical. They need to be ruthless. Um, but I would just, I just want to see, um, you know, when somebody's carrying the ball, that there's two or three, you know, the amount of latches and leeches or whatever the, the, the lads call them these days, we haven't seen that. Like, you know, it's just one-off runners just banging into brick walls and um, a little bit more variety in our, our ball carrying, footwork before the contact um, and keeping boys in the rock. Like England had a 14-man wall, one in the backfield at times against us, and we had three or four in the rock. Um, and just being a little bit smarter. But what do we inevitably need, Mick? We need a good performance, a win, and a win that we can come on next week and talk about in a positive way instead of just getting over the line like we talked yeah. about uh, with the Georgia game. And I think with you know Johnny Sexton coming back in, he'll be driving standards all week. You know he'll be in. The, the lads' ears about you know last week just wasn't good enough, um, and hopefully they can produce. And you know the handicap, Ladbrokes have the handicap at, at nine points. You know mm. Ireland are nine points favourites here. Um, Scotland, there I know they're missing Finn Russell and and, and Hastings, but for, for me, you know that nine points is is quite a bit when you you take in where Ireland have been over the last couple of weeks and and the performances that they have and the negativity that's coming from the press from the the outside and into the camp. Surely they have a point to prove. Yeah, yeah. Nine points does seem a lot. I agree. Uh, you mentioned Sexton there. More than likely going to come back into the team. He's been pronounced fit. Henshaw's fit as well. They're going to miss uh, James Lowe and Will Connors, definitely, uh, and and uh, Billy Burns all out, unfortunately. But um, Sexton talking did very interesting media day, actually, yesterday. Talked about a lot of different things. Um, but I suppose the one that grabbed the most headlines was him talking about his desire to be at the next World Cup. And I don't we don't need to talk about that. And, and and honestly, like Johnny Sexton, fair play to him. He should be thinking like that. He should own like why not if he feels up to it. But I suppose the fact that it's such a real possibility that we could be going into the next World Cup with a, a 37-year-old out half, even if one as exceptional as Sexton, it speaks to two things. I think it speaks to the kind of leadership you're talking about where he'll be the only one who can kind of seemingly get these guys going all week. But also that maybe we're not producing. We had Ron Nogara, like a guy come and take the shirt off him. You know, uh, you know, even even Brian O'Driscoll towards the end, there was people waiting to come and take his job, be it Ringrose or Henshaw or whatever like that. There's nobody coming to grab the the shirt off a 35-year-old Johnny Sexton's back at the moment. And that's worrying because, you know, really that that should have been... Ideally, if everything is going well progression-wise, that should have been the case for the last two or three years, that somebody's on his heels yeah. nipping at him. Yeah, definitely, Mick. And, um, I had a good chat with a, an old friend of mine. I, I chat to him on the phone every single week about rugby, um, a guy called John Andres, who played around a few different clubs. And we chatted about you know players being irreplaceable, you know, and especially in the Ireland squad. And you look at Brown O'Driscoll, there was maybe five or six years where you just couldn't see anybody um, you know, even breathing down his neck or getting ahead of him, and he was world class. But then when he sort of was coming to the end, you could see other guys there, and you know he was replaceable. And then you go to 
you know, somebody like Paul O'Connell, and you go, yeah. there's no way he's irreplaceable. And then oh, yeah, you see James Ryan coming, yeah. coming through, and you see Ian Henderson captaining Ulster, and people progressing. It, I totally agree with you. It just seems like there's absolutely nobody at the minute that's even close to Johnny Sexton. So, um, and that that is a slight worry. But like when he goes to the next World Cup, if he has his sights set on the next World Cup, a fair play to him. If he thinks he can do a job and he thinks he can captain Ireland to that Rugby World Cup, then at the minute, why would you argue against it? Because he is the only person that seems to be. Um, Seems to have the leadership and, and the qualities at out half to, to try and drag this team forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I completely agree with you. Uh, but again, I, I, it's, it's almost like if we're going forward as a rugby nation, it's like it's nothing to do with Johnny. Maybe he keeps the place, but there's somebody, you know, you, know, you almost want the contrarian saying, this guy needs his chance. And there's almost nobody who they have to say that about in no offense to anybody else because there are people having good performances but they're just not sticking their hand up unfortunately but this weekend then sorry you you mentioned minus nine we're talking about what we want to see from ireland they're one to four to win the game scotland they're three to one on ladbrooks uh you know i think if things go like they did last saturday or last sunday we could easily see that happen um what what do you reckon yeah it's interesting um the the spread last week in the in the wheels England game, you know, Owen Farrell missed three kicks a goal. I think the, the, the final points was 13 or 14 points did, did England win by. You know, they should have easily have beaten that handicap, and they didn't. Um, again, with no crowd, I've been at all the Ireland games. I've been at numerous Pro 14 games, and with no crowd, it certainly makes it a bit more of an even playing field. Uh, so, yeah, like nine points seems a lot. Uh, like, you know, seven-point score and a penalty, and you're, you're already ahead of it. But I think this game is going to um, you know, each team is going to have purple patches. I definitely feel that uh, Scotland are going to score a try or two. Um, I feel that Ireland will be out to prove a point. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to, well, I, I wouldn't put any money on it until I see the team sheets uh, yeah. tomorrow. That's the way I'll be thinking. But at the minute, I'd definitely be going uh, Scotland plus nine points because I, I think that Scotland feel that Ireland are vulnerable at the minute. Um, and there is an opportunity here to throw another log on the fire of um, of the pressure that Ireland are feeling. Um, and you know, I think you know the Six Nations aren't far away. Mick, you know, this would be a good statement that Scotland, you know, could could get a win over in Dublin and and say, right, you know, lads, we're going to kick on from this. Yeah, absolutely. I think that might be the worry for a lot of people, but uh, we'll see what happens anyway uh, come Saturday afternoon. Stevie, thanks a million uh, for joining us. You uh, can listen to more build-up, actually. We were speaking to Kevin Doyle about the Premier League weekend and lots more earlier on today. You can get that on the podcast feed along with this show. Just search for Balls.e in uh, your podcast feed of your choice. Uh, also, if you are having a bet at all this weekend, please do gamble responsibly. Visit dunlouis.net for more information. We'll be back with more build-up next week. And uh, we'll be looking ahead to a lot more dance to join us then. <laughs>